as you've tried to be mindful today, what have you experienced? Have you had any difficulties? What do you feel about the practice? You can tell him all this. Then if, you know, if he thinks there's a way he can help you, he will tell you something. For me, most of the time, I forget. Most of the time, I forget about the uh, yeah to be mindful. Another thing is the another question is, this is the wisdom journey, and um, I don't find myself as an intelligence person. Yeah, so because I read from the book, uh, you you mindfully intelligence intelligently to be aware yeah so if a person not so intelligent still can follow is it intelligent not in that way Sadhusism, you know, in, intelligence is a quality that we actually all have. We all have. And um, when you are mindful continuously, your mind knows more and more about yourself. And the intelligence, inverted commas, um, the understanding of yourself grows. And wisdom of um, the nature of this mind and body grows. So the nature of the mind is that when you are mindful, aware, um, repeatedly, over and over again, consistently, I won't say continuously, just, you know, whenever you remember, you keep trying to do it, which means you're more mindful than you were before, right? And when you do more and more of that, Seattle says, um, it's important also for you to recognize the kinds of wisdom that come. Um, like I said, you know, uh, earlier this morning, Seattle says, clear comprehension uh, is a type of wisdom, um, understanding when something is beneficial, understanding when something is suitable, different kinds of wisdom can arise. Seattle says, you just have to remember that the reason that you, that we are trying to be mindful is because we want to understand more than we already know now. Right? If you have that interest, if you're interested in knowing, interested in knowing more about yourself, Seattle says, then just keep paying attention and you will begin to see more yeah, so everybody has this quality called wisdom as a potential in our minds. Um, it's just about whether we um, practice that wisdom and make it stronger. You know, it's just like somebody who practices badminton will become good at badminton. Someone who plays golf will become good at golf. So, um, but everybody can play golf or badminton if they practice enough. Right? So, same word, wisdom. So, um, Sarah says, you know, mainly it's, it's about interest. Yeah, 
Cherishes any work that we do, right? If we do it a lot, you know, we become better at it. And we, then we find it more interesting, like say, uh, cooking. You know, people who cook every day, they become really skillful at cooking. Then, you know, they know how to, you know, whether a little bit of salt will make it taste better, or a little bit of sugar will make it taste, taste better. Um, and that's something that people who don't cook, they don't know what, how to do, right? But it's the, that is a kind of wisdom. Knowing how to cook is a kind of wisdom. You understand? Yeah. So that's how we grow the wisdom. เนาะสบายมาเลยดูสุราโกโก้อเมียนันตรีธาราตะขามะมะลุกูอ่าตะบาวะมะลุลิจิโอไม่ใช่อ่ะเอ่อดายะอู้อ่ะทายอยู่
and the difference between the two types of meditation is your motivation like uh, what is your objective what do you want to achieve from meditation so one type of meditation is about uh, calming the mind about collecting the mind and usually we call that samatha right it's about uh, gathering the mind collecting the mind gaining composure of the mind the other meditation which we're doing our vipassana is about understanding the nature of mind and mental and physical phenomena So you can use one object to practice vipassana if your intention is to understand the nature of what is happening. But Sierra says if you, what happens to most people is it doesn't matter whether you take one object or many objects or open your mind. People have a, like a secret or hidden desire to become calm, right? So then Sierra says it doesn't matter whether you observe one object or many objects. If all you want to be is calm, then when the mind becomes calm, the mind will enjoy that calm and it won't really be learning anything from any object it observes, whether it's one object or many objects, because it's attached to the calm. You So when we practice vipassana says the objective is to know is to understand to learn uh, so then there has to be a curiosity about whatever is happening right whether you start with one object or are open to any objects, eventually in, in Vipassana practice, it becomes that you are aware of anything that comes. You know, you can start with one, but in the end you will accept anything because your objective is to know. And if you really want to know, then you have to know everything, right? Then you can truly say that you know. If you only know one thing, you don't really know everything. <laughs> In those practices where you know you're trying to just collect the mind, like samatha practice, Siyata says the mind's objective also becomes to stay with one object and the mind purposely tries to cut off, right? Knowing of other objects. So you become concentrated on one thing. Whereas in Vipassana practice, because we want to understand the way things, we want to understand cause and effect, so the way things interact, our, our uh, mind and body, how they interact, how our mind reacts to the body, how, you know, how, how this is related. Because of that, eventually, it doesn't matter where you start, you begin to allow the mind to know everything. You know, your feelings, your emotions, your sensations, and, and so on, your movements. Yeah, so the nature of wisdom is that wisdom has a broad view. It has a bird's eye view. 
right? Like the example in cooking, a person who cooks, you know, whatever is there, they know what to, how to cook it, right? They know how to use the ingredients there to just put something together. So too with wisdom, right? It looks at everything and then it understands where, where things belong, right? Yeah, it's not like narrow. The focus is not narrow. But if we, you know, without realizing, you know, we, if we try not to know things, you know, we don't realize it, you know, our practice can just go into that. You know, we're like, something is happening and we're like, no, I, I want to know this, I want to know this. After a while, you know, you, your, your vision, so to speak, you know, your awareness becomes narrow. You're just stuck to the one thing that you're trying to know. So although we might use one object or, you know, any object, sometimes we might want to just be aware of one thing to train ourselves to understand it more, to, to look at it more, um, and so on. Seattle says, in the end, we need to know everything. We need to know how the uh, body works, how the mind works. We need to understand seeing and hearing, our emotions, our thinking, because they're all related. They affect each other. And if we don't see all of them and how they're working, we won't see the connections. Right? Have you ever done um, rising for me? Have you ever observed the rising falling of your abdomen while you meditate? You have. Yeah. So why does the abdomen rise and fall? Oh, I understand that when we uh, inhale, then the stomach will be expand, and when we exhale, the stomach will be um, flat. Okay. Which happens first? Do you breathe first, or does the stomach like expand first? I didn't notice, but I think it's. We have to inhale for first, so expand first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Sierra says this is an example of how, you know, we're not sure because say we're watching the, the abdomen rising and falling and then we're like, you know, we're trying to focus on it, concentrate on it, we're, you know, waiting for the mind to calm down. So, you know, there's not this interest in what is this process. This is a process of nature. You're breathing, the admin, 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 abdomen is rising and falling, and, you know, we're not interested in the process. But if you're interested, then you would, like, look around. It's like you come to the center and you look around. You know, you walk everywhere to find out where things are. And some people do anapanasati. Have you ever done um, watching your breath? Yes. What's the difference between the in-breath and the out-breath? Have you ever noticed a difference? The, the in-breath, uh, the, the in-breath is uh, longer than the out. Oh, no. mm. Yeah. Okay. So Sierra says, so we must be curious, right? If we are curious, so how is the breath? 
You know, when is the breath, when is the in, what is the in-breath like and what is the out-breath like? Is it always like this? When is it different? Why is it different? You know, if we want to know, then we'll start to, you know, if we keep our mind open, we'll start to, to notice different things. Why do you breathe? To have the energy for the body. <laughs> but this is what you think, right? It's not what you know from actually observing your breathing. So if you watch your breath, you will also begin to notice why the breath comes, right? What, what? You, Seattle did it before. His teacher asked him why he breathes. Didn't give him the answer. He went away to watch his breath for a week before he realized. Hello. Yeah, there are meditators who have done 20 years of practice and Seattle asked this question, so you've been doing Anapanasati for 20 years, why do you breathe? And they don't know. You know, they don't really know. Not so so vipassana practice is um, the understanding of how this mind and body, how this mental and physical process, how they work together. And when we begin to understand how the mind and the body work, we call that a vipassana insight. Hmm? One of them is that. <laughs> And there is so much to know about this mind and body, so much to know about, about the cause and effect relationships that all the aspects, you know, the six objects, the the five physical sense doors and the mind, how they all related and affect each other. There are so many relationships that we can understand. And um, there's something curious about reality and that is, you know, like he, he said just now, when you, the rising falling of the abdomen, do you breathe first um, or does the abdomen rise first? So Sarah says, if you talk about the law of cause and effect, it's because we breathe that the abdomen rises, right? So that's cause and effect. But in the physical present, the, the breathing and the rising of the abdomen happen at the same time, simultaneously. So when we talk about cause and effect, Seattle says, it's not always just cause happens first and then effect happens later. Sometimes cause and effect, although one is the cause, sometimes cause and effect arise together. Like, you know, when the sun comes up, it's light, but it happens at the same time. But if we focus on just one part of our experience, we won't see this cause-effect relationship. So it's only when we are sort of like sitting on top and just watching, 
you know, watching everything together, that we notice how they are related, which one happens first, or whether it happens together, and why, and so on. So, Vipassana is very interesting, but we need to be interested. <laughs> yeah, what is happening? How is it happening? Why is it happening? Why did it stop? Yeah, but all this all this like all these questions, you know, the answers to these questions, we don't have to search for them. Sierra says if we are mindful continuously, um, the mind will become curious and the answers will slowly, slowly, very, very slowly, much far much far away. <laughs> but they will slowly come to us. So what we want to do is just be mindful because when we're mindful, our mind is gathering information about ourselves. Right? This mind and this body. So the initial bit of mindfulness is just being mindful. Not investigating, just being mindful and just noticing how when we you try to be mindful whenever we remember to be mindful over and over and over you know in the next one two three days you'll notice the mind begin to settle even though you're not trying to calm the mind all you're doing is remembering to be mindful I know I told now intelligently aware look for yeah so the the bit Seattle says about being intelligently aware that comes much later yeah, <laughs> it comes later. <laughs> in the beginning, our work, in fact, you know, this in the beginning is not just now. The beginning happens over and over again. You know, there's this thing called beginner's mind. Yeah. So beginner's mind is very important. This, this willingness to just be mindful again. Just be mindful again. Even though there's nothing special in the moment, just be mindful again. And that will become very important far into your practice. Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing to remember is um, not to become attached to any one object. Yeah? Just be curious yeah? and stay mindful. Mm-hmm. He says, we'll know what happens in the body, what happens in the mind. And when we're continuously mindful, we'll begin to notice things, subtler things, you know, things that are more um, happening more quietly in the body and the mind. And after, after that, we also begin to notice the body and the mind at the same time. And then we start to see the relationship. But if we become too focused, we become um, too fixated or attached, then the mind is not um, nimble, you know, it's not flexible, it's, it's not sharp, it doesn't see things that are happening, even though they're happening. Yeah. Okay. I, I find the mind very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> even really, as we Sierra says the most interesting thing in the world is the mind. Yeah, I, I, I believe so as well. Uh, even as I'm talking now in this space, huh? I can notice it is nervous. Huh? <laughs> huh? 
Because meditation is not about becoming calm, you know, it's about uh, growing and learning. And because of that, Sarah says, we, you know, just like going to school, we need a lot of information so that we can learn. We can make use of what we have. <laughs> he says, maybe you're nervous because it's the first time. Or, or maybe because of past idea when meeting with the teacher for the first time. Huh? I, I, uh, I, I was noticing uh, in silence uh, a lot of uh, talking minds. Talking minds. Talking minds. Uh, the talking minds are very interesting. Uh, I noticed uh, today, just after lunch, I was uh, coming out. I wanted to come to the meditation hall because it's much cooler. But as I was walking out, I noticed the mind is telling me, let's go for a walk, <laughs> which is very interesting. Uh, I, I don't know what it was, but the mind tells me to go for a walk. So I, I went for a walk. Okay, instead of coming, I went for a walk. So, and I was walking. Uh, the mind seems to be very interested to look out. And uh, I, I, I'm, in this space, I, I'm able to notice that it's liking what it's seeing as well. But strangely, as, as I walked then, uh, it was very hot because it's you know, in the afternoon, right? So the mind says, let's go back. <laughs> it's very hot. So uh, I, I find it that the mind sometimes... Like they say, it's got a life of its own, right? <laughs> I think it's got a life of its own. It is running by itself. Right, so the mind, you know, is its own force of nature, right? I say, but Galu Cheni na, Galu Cheni. This is you. Can I go to it? Galu, two Galu, Junglu miaro. And we think of this mind as my mind, as me. In fact, not just my mind, but we think it's me. I want to go for a walk. I'm hot. I want to go back. But he says, if we watch it long enough, we begin to realize, like you said, that it has a life of its own. The mind is its own cause and effect. And what we need to know at this point is that this is enough. All we need to do is notice what the mind is doing. The more we notice, the more we see, the more we will learn and understand the nature of the mind and how it works.
It's when we don't understand the nature of the mind that the mind can make us suffer, that we suffer. So very often, Seattle says, we want to, um, we fight our thoughts, we reject them, we don't want to have those thoughts. But Seattle says, in fact, if we could objectively, sort of the way you saw it this afternoon, if we could objectively, very, like, like from a distance, view what the mind was doing, Seattle says, then we can understand how the mind, you know, how the mind works. And then, you know, we can... So Seattle says it's really important to have that, you know, sense of, of being stepped away from the mind, like you were this afternoon, and just finding it interesting. Like, oh, the mind did that again. Oh, the mind did that. Oh, the mind did that. Oh, you know, sort of like just watching it run its own show. It is very interesting because, like you say, I try to resist, right? The more I resist, the mind complains. Yes, yeah, says whatever the mind does, just, just know that. So, so you see the relationship when you try to resist, it makes the mind push harder, right? It, 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 it complains more. says so, so it's like the observing sits out like a judge. Whatever um, so-called you do, you know, the, the part of you that you are still identified with and whatever part that you are not identified with, you can watch them. And, and see how, because both are mind, right? See how the mind works. Interesting, interesting. So long as there is interest, so long as there is interest, Yara says, some learning will eventually happen. Eventually. In fact, uh, the questions that came out, which I didn't ask only later, is what am I? Or who am I? Yeah, who am I? <laughs> Who am you can ask the question, but don't look for the answer. All we need to do is observe, is to turn on the awareness and keep it turned on as much as we can, because it's through the lens of awareness that all the understanding will slowly come through. Just one more to, to confirm. Uh, I, I do understand and I read questioning is very important. Uh, questioning is not to look for a solution. The, the question is more interest, for understanding interest. what's happening. Is that correct? In the present moment. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, says the answers will come when the understanding comes of its own. You know, when there is more deep understanding, you will find sometimes part of the answer, sometimes all of it. Yeah. If we answer the question too quickly, sometimes you know you'll see that it it could be just intellectual, yeah, rather than a, a real understanding. I've also noticed before because. I'm a person who asks a lot of questions, especially when I do my work. So 
I have now begun to notice impatience as well. There's a lot of impatience that want to solve <laughs> the questions. Yep, Sarah says we start by knowing, noticing these things. Yep. Thank you. I have uh, two small questions. The first one is, um, as as uh, the teacher said that uh, we need we need to curious and we we ask ourselves what what thoughts are in my mind, what thoughts fuel my feelings and emotions um, to understand. Um, in my meditation practice. Um, when I notice my thoughts and I want to understand more what, why the thoughts come, come from, then I started to involve more in my thinking process. Yeah, so, so okay. Sierra says that if, you know, in the beginning when we have thoughts like that, you know, when, when we have something come up and we're like, oh, why is this happening and all, the, the desire to understand is, is more greed. Mm-hmm. It's like we think that if we understood it, it would be great, you know. So because there's greed, you can't really understand. So don't ask the questions at that time. Just learn to be mindful contentedly. Drop that thought. Is that correct? I drop it. Let other, come, other thoughts come in. If it goes away, it goes away. Okay. Um, Just be aware. We we don't try to do anything. Yeah? yeah. So you're not doing you're not dropping, you're not taking, you're not holding, you're just being aware. You're not letting go, you're not nothing. Just aware. Okay? Just aware. <laughs> Oh, this happening? Oh, aware. Oh, this happening? Oh, aware. Oh, aware. Aware. Yes, aware. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yes. yes, so, so why, when I'm aware, I notice that, oh, this is an interesting, interesting thought. And, at the, and during that moment, I have the desire to not jot down my thoughts so that I will not forget because that may be interesting things that can help me to do some other things. And then, if that's the case, then I will interrupt my meditation and because... Mm, be- Continue to be aware. So you so, want to jot down the thoughts, aware. I want to jot down the thoughts. You jot down the thoughts, aware that you're jotting down the thoughts. Oh, continue to be aware. So, the, yeah, whatever is happening, you, Seattle says, let the mind and body happen naturally. The awareness just is aware of what's happening. So you're not interrupting anything if you are aware. Okay. Right? You can't interrupt awareness. Yeah, you want to understand the nature of how this mind and body works, right? So let it happen. Let it do its thing. You observe. Yeah, so the med- you, you see this mistake we make. We think the meditation is that when we were watching that train of thought and we thought it was interesting, we think the meditation is the interesting thought. We forget meditation is the awareness. Right? You had an interesting thought, you're aware of it. You want to write it down, you're aware that you want to write it right. down. You write it down, you're aware that you're writing it down. So when did the meditation stop? Uh, 
So whether you are walking or sitting or writing or thinking or bathing or what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? You're trying to know what you're doing. Otherwise we couldn't bathe, right? We just have to keep watching those interesting thoughts. (laughs) Yes, and because we're not trying to change anything about the way we do things, there's no need to use any energy. You just go with the flow. But you try to be aware of what's happening in that flow. It's so simple. Right? It's so simple. If the mind is um, very agitated, you know the mind is agitated. You just let it be agitated. It's okay. And then if you feel like going for a walk, you're like, you know, oh, I feel like going for a walk. And then you go for a walk, and you know that you're going for a walk. You're, you know that you're walking. And then you notice what happens in the mind. You know? Whatever happens, just know it objectively. Yeah, but it's, when it's that simple, we can find it very difficult. It's very hard to be simple. Right. Yeah, because we always want to go in and fix it. We think that fixing it is the meditation. Yeah, because our whole life, that's what... Because that's what we've done our whole life, right? In our lives, when we want something, we try to have it. When we don't like something, we try to get rid of it. Um, and that's what we do in meditation. You know, we forget that it's about being aware. We try to hold on to an experience or push away an experience, and we think that's the meditation. So here, you, all you're doing is observing. You know, you're not trying to do anything. You're just observing. If the mind, um, you know, gets attached, you recognize that oh, the mind is getting attached. The mind pushes something away. You recognize the mind is pushing. You recognize it. Yeah, so now I understand that meditation is not we close our eyes and we're just sitting and mm. we calm our mind. But when we, whenever we are aware, then that means we are meditating. Yes, yes. when you are aware, you're meditating. That's right. Okay. Well said. Thank you. Okay. Just, just to continue with this, being, being aware and I'm just finding it difficult being aware. People told you, me in the you past... You forget to be aware? Yeah, I mean, yeah. people have accused me in the past of being no... no paying not, not paying attention or having the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> no. Yes, in the past. So... So one of one of the reasons why I'm investigating mindfulness is uh, strengthen the muscle of attention. Mm-hmm. Now today I'm really tired because of jet lag and everything else. But um, why did, did you take a nap? Sorry. Did you take a nap? Yeah, constantly. Okay. That's um, so I'm not sure if I've been very mindful today or I've been paying attention to anything in particular. 
there's been thoughts arisen and some defilements, etc. But I know that they existed and become Before? aware of them. Some defilements. And yeah. Okay. Some awareness. So I become aware of things subsequent to them happening, not as they are happening. Mm, that's all right. It, there's no like. I don't think it's subsequent. It's you know you when you're aware, that's when you become aware. Although it may have started a while ago. When yeah. you become aware of it, that's but when you're aware. This, this, I'm still finding it difficult now to understand this. To the actual the, the, the process of awareness, to how to become aware and of what and when. And so, if I'm walking, and I'm aware that I'm walking, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm, and I'm aware that I'm seeing, yeah. and I'm aware that I can smell something. Okay. Um, and then what? That's my question to myself. Yeah. <laughs> ดิมิชิเกะบ่ตีมาตะบิยาตะบิยะเปอะล่ะตะบิตีมายาล่ะโหชื่อเลยชื่อมาตะบิยาชื่อเลยดิโหอกุณาหาวตีล่ะโหก
sort of like apply mindfulness, apply awareness. So you're like, okay, let's be aware of this. And then, then you feel that you're paying attention. That's one way. A bit artificial, but there it is. Um, the second one is to ask yourself a question about something you want to know within this mind and body framework. You know, what do I feel now? And that brings your attention. The question brings your attention to, to whatever you asked. You know, and that also is bringing consciousness to that moment. Great. Sorry. Great. Great. <laughs> no more questions. Sarah says, you know, we don't have this experience of being conscious of ourselves over a sustained period of time. And if we can manage that, you know, um, without expecting anything, you know, it's very important to allow ourselves sort of like to be dumbly aware in a very, odd, you know, without expectation. It's like, yes, it, well, what next? But never mind what next. If we can allow ourselves that, Sierra says, you will come across a truly strange and wonderful experience. Even, and Seattle says, you know, the quality of awareness is such, if we even had five minutes of continuous, then it's continuous awareness, you will notice a change in the quality of your mind. Five minutes is a long time to be continuously aware. <laughs> yeah. It is um, stated in the scriptures, you know, that when uh, mindfulness is continuous, the result of that, the effect of that, is that a quality called piti arises in the mind. Piti, they sometimes use the word rapture or joy to, to, um, to translate it in English. That sustained awareness um, gives rise to, to piti, rapture or joy. It also gives rise to confidence the mind feels strong and stable. Yeah. And he says, and we've never, we, you know, we have never done this in our lives. So to experience that can feel really strange. It'd be like, wow, the mind can feel this way, you know, and it can. Just try it, he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> okay, so um, to continue to feeling strange about, you know, noticing what your mind kind of thinks. Mm. Like I, it's true, Seattle. Yeah. Seattle says, you know, this mind is kind of mad. And to know that it's mad is a first step. <laughs> and I, but Seattle says when a mad person knows that he's mad, he's no longer mad. Because it's the, you know, conscious, when there is consciousness, there is not madness. You know, it's when there is unconsciousness that there is madness. 
So I guess it's kind of normal to feel a bit bad. Like sometimes when I, when I get a little bit annoyed, and the first thing that comes to my head, like, like that's defilement. So I think of something, and then I realize that that's what I'm thinking, and I feel bad. And then I kind of think, why does this thought come to my head? And then I think, like, I don't know, it's something that I wouldn't say out normally, but then it comes to my head, so I feel bad for think for thinking that. So is that is there? There's no way of me kind of like controlling that thought for to not come out. So the good news is, the good news is, it's not your mind. It's just the mind. Yeah. So remember always when you observe the mind to use the word the mind, not my mind. Okay, why? Well, not why is my mind saying this? It's why is the mind saying this? Yes, and the mind um, can say anything, and everybody has the mind, and the mind does that in everybody's mind. Seattle says, another piece of good news is that when you know what is happening in the mind, right, um, because our objective is to know, right, because from knowing, understanding will arise, Seattle says no matter how bad or good the thing that you discover the mind doing, Seattle says, rejoice. Be really happy. It's like, wow, I just discovered the mind does that, you know? This is what his teacher taught him when he was very young. So Seattle started off with right view, very young. He was saved all the guilt. Um, yeah, because his teacher said to him, when you know what is happening in the mind as it really is, that's right view. Okay. So for him, it was always, oh, oh, I see it. This is what is really happening, you know? He says, then, he says, what we appreciate is the awareness. Oh, there is awareness, therefore... Therefore, I can know what's happening. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, one more thing that I kind of was a bit confused about was, so when I was meditating and then I started reading a book, a book, and then I was thinking to myself, when I'm reading, am I meditating or so? Am I aware that I'm like? I'll be reading and I'll be thinking, am I aware that I'm, am I supposed to be aware that I'm reading the book or because I'm reading the book and I want to understand the book so I'm focusing on reading. Yeah. But then I wasn't so much thinking if I was aware that I was reading the book. So it applies to like say um, day-to-day job when you're doing your work at work and then when you get busy, when you, get busy you don't really think that you're doing, you just focus on your work. Yeah. So, yeah. Is meditation something that you have to do like after hours, like on your own, basically, or is, do you apply it to just like whatever you're doing on a daily basis? Then I 
เสียชีวะเบลุเตหูบลุลุเนี่ยเลยมาซินซาတော့ซินซาพี่ลุกน่ะหมดลุกเสียชีวะแล้วสิกะลุกลุกตัดปีตาผิดเนาะลุกก็
the sleepiness, mm-hmm. uh, there's aversion, so mm-hmm. observe mm-hmm. the aversion. That's the first thing you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. If, there, if there wasn't aversion, mm-hmm. then you said you actually know that there's sleepiness. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just keep knowing that there's sleepiness. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You can open your eyes if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When there's light coming in, yeah. you can feel a bit bright. Yeah. Sero prefers us to have our eyes open. Sero okay. Says. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sarah encourages yogis to keep their eyes open because Sarah says, with our eyes closed, you know, several uh, different problems can arise. Mm. One is imagination, like yes. having um, visions and stuff like that. All right. Um, All right. The second is um, getting lost in thought, and the third one is uh, torpor. Yeah. Torpor, sleepiness. Yeah. In daily life, Seattle says, when do we keep our eyes closed? Only when we sleep, right. So the mind identifies closing our eyes with sleeping. Because the mind is a pattern, right? The mind has... Because it has a pattern, then, you know, when when it's doing... You know, when it's experiencing something, then it identifies with, uh, you know, another experience that is similar. So... So, so in the same come, way, it can come through easily. Okay, so in the same way, when you're doing nothing, yeah. like because when you're sleeping, you're doing nothing. Is that why you feel sleepy? When we close our eyes, so when we close our eyes, we relax. Mm. Yeah. So when we relax, then we are also not the effort to be aware also mm. slacks off. Yeah, so Sierra says one thing that's, that might be helpful when you're sleepy is um, to, to ask the mind, what is it aware of? What is it aware of? So, you know, you're, you're having to use your thinking mind to make the mind be aware. So you're doing two, two kinds of work. You're thinking and trying to be aware, using the thinking mind. What is the mind aware of now? Okay, so you, you be aware of that. And then what is the mind aware of? Is it still aware of that? So sort of like keeping the mind working. And if all else fails, maybe go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So remember, the key is not to fight with the experience, right? If we have the right attitude... It makes it easy to just be aware because all we need is the awareness, right? We don't need the experience to be anything particular. Um, but then if there is wrong attitude, then you want to recognize that wrong attitude and be observing the wrong attitude, recognizing the presence of wrong attitude. So yeah, yeah. Can I? Yes. Okay. Um, after learning about vipassana meditation, um, I s- now start to notice defilements. Now I know what is defilements. So I'm becoming aware each time defilement arises. Of course, the recognition after it happened, like I said something, 
Okay, most of the time, my, my space is more towards the greed, the loba defilements uh, I recognize. So, um, it, um, now that I can recognize it more clearly, and I feel so guilty about it, it's like, um, you know, why am I, why, you know, why am I still there? And why, why did I do it again? I thought I went through it and I learned from it. Why did I make such a decision again or said something like that or lost my mind? If you say lost mindfulness, maybe I'm trying too hard. Like every moment, if I can remember, I you know, become so tense. There are times I had to move towards calming, the, you know, tranquility, meditation, just to calm down so that I get myself back to, you know, so that I don't um, get too tense. There are times I get so tense, I have to move towards Samadhi meditation to get back again to something like that. Yeah. So Sierra says, as he explained just now, it's uh, not your mind and it's not your fault. <laughs> you know, it's like this is the mind and uh, the mind has slipped again, right? It's not because there's no mindfulness, you know, so you can, there's no need to feel tense about it. And although we try to learn lessons, the fact that something happens again just means that we haven't learned enough lessons, right? Um, so just, just remain aware that, oh, the mind did this again. Okay, the mind, the mind you know, hasn't learned enough. And, and the fact that you see the mind doing something wrong, that, that means there's mindfulness, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when we have the right attitude towards what's happening, there might be a defilement, but at least it won't shake the stability of your mind. You can continue to you know, take in whatever is happening. Um, but if we have the wrong attitude, then it shakes the stability of our mind, and then you have to watch, watch the wrong attitude. Yeah. If you want to, yeah, Sierra says it's fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And you know, the, the karma the mind is, uh, the more rubbish you'll see in the bottom of the mind. Yeah. It's good. Calm the mind down. Yeah. You'll see more defilements. Good. They're all there anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. He says we can't avoid it. The difference is whether we see it or not. Right? There are subtle... Yeah. But they're just the mind. Of course. Because you want to understand the mind. Of course. Knowing is the profit of this practice. Yeah. Sierra says, again, um, you know, don't complain about what is happening. Um, appreciate the fact that there is awareness and that's why you know what is happening. Yeah. I'm a real greenhorn, I have to say. That's the very first time I do anything like meditation. My friends told me I will make it uh, more than two days. Uh, I thought to myself, let's see. Uh, 
I'm quite positively surprised. I had a good access to my mind. It was a good interaction between my feelings and uh, kind of an understanding why they happen. So I have a... I'm quite positive I will make it through and I'm actually just came out of curiosity. I wanted to know what is going to happen with me in these nine days and I'm still very curious and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's it. This is, this is the best attitude. That's great. <laughs> yeah. There is a certain danger. I can feel this. I mean, I'm sorry that uh, I say, ah, it's all a bit nonsense. Let's go back uh, to my family, to my house, to my job. Everything is fine. What am I really doing here? So sometimes it pops up and, okay, I go into myself. I calm down and just do my little walks and... Uh, actually enjoy what I feel, so I'm not about to leave yet. <laughs> Right, Sierra says, just, you know, recognize that danger too when it comes up, yeah. Yeah, just know it. Okay. okay. I'm really thankful for being here with the teacher. Um, I've been practicing yoga and meditation for 14 years. So I do try to meditate every day, sometimes very short, sometimes long. But I always used different approaches from, from yoga. You know, mantras visualizations, chakras. And I always felt this desire, deep desire of learning about the Buddha's teachings. And, and I feel, and this is a, an important time of my life where I feel that I could go much deeper, you know. And so I'm trying to, to be aware all the time and... Uh, so I have a few practical questions. I don't know how to... Like, if I, I try not to attach to the mind, you know, I try yeah, no, not to identify, not to judge, because that, that's the thing. And then through my meditation the past years, some, you know, contents from the subconscious mind, some skaras appear, you know, all the garbage keeps appearing. And I don't know what, I don't want to have too many expectations either, but this is nine days full doing what I really want to do. I felt very sleepy today. <laughs> yeah. 
so any advice would be nice i mean i'm i don't um, i don't know Sarah says it's so normal, you know, to come for a retreat, and the first few days will be full of, um, you know, sleepiness. Um, we'll get lost in thought. Uh, we won't remember to be aware. But it's so uh, okay. Um, because that you know, in our lives, we're so. F- our lives are so full and so busy, we're like, you, you know, our energy is like primed to meet every challenge. When we come into retreat and we have nothing to challenge us, we're like, huh. And he, he says when we drop that, we drop everything, you know, so the mind just sort of goes into that. And so, yeah, so we get lost in thought and we get sleepy and then, and then we learn to balance it back up, you know. Yeah, so about maybe two, three days and then the mind will sort of like come back. Thank to meet you. the current challenge. Yeah. Thank you. When you mentioned that we need to be aware of all the feelings and sensations and emotions, and sometimes there's a emotions and feelings which I'm aware and I'm continue aware, and then sometimes it's too strong and too overwhelming, and uh, at that point I don't I was confused. I don't know how to handle this emotion or yeah, what do I do? I cannot relax so. So at that time, don't watch the overwhelming feeling. Um, l- go to a neutral object, like the breath or the feeling under your, you know, where you're sitting or a sensation on the body. Go to something neutral. Don't look at the overwhelming feeling. Yeah. When our... When the emotion is very strong and our, our mindfulness, mindfulness is so weak, Seattle says then we're in danger of being overwhelmed. The awareness is overwhelmed by the emotion, right? So Seattle says, so instead of trying to meet the emotion that we can't handle, Seattle says go to a neutral object just to build the awareness. So you go back to your neutral object, your awareness is so small, you go back to a neutral object, but if you're aware continuously, the awareness will start to become, you know, to become more stable and feel stronger. And then if you find the emotion is still there, your awareness is feeling stronger, you can come back and observe the emotion if you want. When you feel strong, when the awareness feels more stable. Hmm? Yeah. So this is, this is called strategy, right? This is right strategy. Like you, you, you know, 
build up your strength again using the appropriate object and then come back for another go at it. <laughs> okay. So in order to build more strength, do you recommend a routine a schedule? For example, in the, in the morning you should do it at least 10-15 minutes and in the evening you should do it again. How long? And is this often after yoga or before yoga? Like after physical activities or before physical? If you're talking about something that's happening in real life, Siada says 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening is not enough. You have to practice from the moment you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes until you fall asleep at night, just like you do here. You have to try. It's not about making it. It's not about being able to do it. It's about just trying, having the intention to be as mindful as you can all day long. That's all. And when we do this, right, of course you can do your sitting. You know, you can have your routine, you know, the, 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 yeah, all that. You can have those routines, but the intention is to be mindful all day long. Okay, because when you do that, when you have the intention, Seattle says, the mind uh, becomes close to awareness, right? It, then it begins to understand awareness, and then it's, it's able to get help from it, hmm? through it. And the mind really becomes stronger then, because you're actually, there's this intention to use it, and, you know, whether you remember to or not, you know, every day you have this intention, so slowly it gets stronger. Understanding the difference between equanimity and being able to bear with pain is really important. The first thing is I don't know what equanimity is. Equanimity means um, being neutral. Neutral. You neither like nor dislike it. You're like okay with it. Accepting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, last week I had operation on my knee. And last week. Yeah. Yeah, meniscus, meniscus, you know, key, keyhole surgery and stuff. Uh, I want to sit cross-legged. I want to sit cross-legged. I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do, but it's, there's not much pain. And they said, don't do anything for six weeks. No, it's only a week. Yeah, I mean, he was sore in the first week until two days ago, and it's become, so I don't feel any pain, but. Um, Sierra says, sit in a chair. Don't mess with nature. Um. It's best to look at pain directly only if you cannot feel a resistance to it. I'm, I'm because just yeah. meditation is not your posture. Yeah? It's how your mind is working that's meditation, right? It's awareness that yeah. is meditation. Uh, I'm just getting confused with some of this text in this book about when he talks about pain and stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if I want um, clarity because I don't know which question to ask yet. So maybe next time around I'll. It is best to look at pain directly only when you are not resisting it. Does that make sense? Do you understand that? I've rephrased it a little bit. 
So you don't, f- if you, oh, you're talking about the knee p- right now because you don't feel any resistance towards it. Yes. But in, in your, yes, in your case, it could be a case of, you know how sometimes when you, you're very sick, you don't feel pain? So in this case, you know that there's been an operation and you know there's a danger to sitting cross-legged because you might be stretching the meniscus or whatever. So, yeah, so, you know, yeah, so, so not to, um, it's, it's not about pain. You know, awareness is not about even um, this pain. You know, you can choose another type of pain. You could f- use your confusion as the pain to be watching or not watching, you know? Yeah, it doesn't have to be this knee. Yeah. Okay. So Seattle says, you know, when we have that whole thing about pain and all that, Seattle is talking about like some natural kind of pain that we have, you know, like um, emotional pain or, or physical pain that's natural. Not, not in a case like this where there is a medical condition that we need to take care of, you know, then, yeah, we don't push some boundaries. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, I'd like to understand how I can understand the situation better. Uh, I know I will come across this situation again, so I want to learn how to be able to understand when I go through the same situation again in, in, the, in the future. I'm already thinking about the future. <laughs> okay, the, the situation is I had the experience uh, today. A lot of thoughts ran through because of the silence. A lot of thoughts ran through. I decided to just read and I got bored reading, so I stopped. Then I just walked, and a lot of thoughts still came. One of the thoughts that caught me, and I was stuck with the thought for a while, was the fact that uh, there are a lot of things that I'm doing, I like to do with my wife. Okay. Uh, strangely, when the thought came out, because I wasn't doing things with her, there was a very strong aversion against it. Because you're not doing it with her, Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so take, take for instance, uh, we had the idea, I'm not sure whether it's the idea that's ingrained in here, that whenever, because it has been some time since before that we've planned, that whatever activities that we do, in, in a head of planning to be getting old, right, we do things together. So we do qigong together. Okay? We do a lot of things together. Okay, even when we come for meditation, we come together. So at the instant it came, when I was doing walking, and I was, a few times it came. The, the, the aversion immediately says, oh, why am I not you know, doing things with, with her? So there's a sense of that strong attachment that wants to hang on and be and do, do things with her. So I want to learn to understand how I can handle this situation better because I know you'll come again. The thought will come again.
you have a wrong attitude, you want to handle the situation. Meditation is just about being aware, not about handling the situation. It's not about making those feelings go away. It's about knowing those feelings. And, and as you watch them, maybe you begin to understand more of the cause-effect process in there. Why do these feelings arise and so on? You understand more about attachment and its effects on you and so on. Um, it's just about observing what happens as it is. So rather than, you know, how to handle it, it's just like, so why is this mind arising? What, what is, what's behind it? Just, you want to know, not you want to handle is you want to know. Seattle says, you know, as we get older, it's, it's, and you know, even when we're young, it's great to love. It's great to love. Just beware of the attachment. Because one day we will, um, we will be separated. Right? <laughs> one day someone will die. I, I kind of understand a bit of what Sada is trying to say. Uh, why I say that is because I have also the experience of losing my father. Mm-hmm. I, I understand the fact that it is the experience that I've gone through with him, not physically, but you know the experience. So it's, that's why the attachment is, is no longer as bad. But somehow, I, I don't know why, but in this case here, there's not how to differentiate. So what you want to do is um, notice the attachment, watch the attachment, get to know the attachment. Hopefully we come to understand the attachment. Until such time is just continue noticing. Yes, yes. Don't try to deal with it. The, the, the mind is very strange. I find it very interesting because it just keeps coming and coming yeah. in so many different varieties. Because if it's there, it will come. And if it's coming again and again, then there's something behind it, right? So we need to just, we need to know what that is, what is behind it, yeah? Yeah, without judging it. (laughs) Not a problem. (laughs) Just you want to know what's behind it. So what do we do when we we are talking about uh, detaching and not judging to, to not to identify with our mind or with the feelings that appear, with the, the fears. And what do we do? We, do we go back to the breathing? Do we observe? How do we stay as an observer, detaching? How? So, so Seattle recommends a sort of a, a thinking process, right? A thinking process. So you sort of say to yourself, right, this is just nature. What's happening is nature. This is the nature of what's happening, and you want to understand this nature. Um, And it's not yours because everybody can experience this, just like the weather. Everybody can experience the weather. That's why the weather is not my weather, right? Mm -hmm. So in the same way, the emotions we experience or the pain, everybody can experience it, so therefore it's a force of nature, that we that it is being experienced, right? So if we can think of it this way, it may. Okay, it's a maybe. It may help us. Yeah, it may help us to. It may help us to be more accepting, 
right? If we understand it, sometimes, you know, we, we try to go through this thinking process and sometimes it clicks. You know, it clicks. And every time it clicks, you'll find yourself really okay with it, you know? Um, but this is still the intellectual, you know? Yeah. And, some, and then other times we can't. We can't disidentify. We find ourselves identified. You can, Seattle says two things, you know, you can know the identification, and the second thing, you can't handle it, go to a neutral object. And when you accept it, like with pain, I, I, I do believe I, yeah. I accept did it. that. Yeah, yeah, once you accept it, then that's the way. Right? Acceptance is the... Yes, if you can accept it, if the mind is accepting it, then, you know, it's, you can do whatever you feel like then. You can observe anything you feel like because the mind is accepting. Everything is okay. Yeah. If the mind is not accepting, you know, and it comes to, I like, too. against the wall, like, it's really hard, Sarah says, then really we need to do something. We need to change because we're not going to torture the mind. Right? So then, you know, if it's a physical posture, maybe you make yourself comfortable. If it's a mental posture, you need to get out of that space. Maybe go for a walk. Calm yourself somehow, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Is it normal that um, I don't have much thoughts? <laughs> like, because <laughs> he was saying that he is thinking, he has a lot of thoughts going through his head. But is it normal that I don't have much thoughts? So if I'm in meditation, I'm just aware, like I'm constantly reminding myself to be aware of like, you know, everything that I'm hearing or, or I'm seeing. But I don't have much thoughts coming to my head. Is that normal? Like, it's... Everybody's different. I try to Every mind is different. Like, I'll be thinking, okay, I don't, I'm not thinking much. Should I be thinking about, okay, what am I... <laughs> Everybody has their own way, you know, and our minds are different. And also our minds might be different at different times. Okay. So it's, yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, when the mind is in a certain way, there is a certain way you deal with it. When it's a different way, then there's another way to deal with it. But in all of them, there is awareness, yeah. right? Okay, and the, the you know, Allowing it. Yeah. yeah, it's like a doctor, right? You listen to the patient, and whatever the illness is, that's the prescription you give, right? You don't give the same prescription to everyone. <laughs> yeah, you can't give everyone paracetamol. Yeah. Okay. 500 milligrams.